As a sinner, I owe God a debt that I cannot pay. As a sinner, I owe God a righteousness that I don't have. As a sinner, I owe God a holy, obedient life that I cannot live. And when we use the word gospel in this room, when we talk about a good news, we're not just, we're not just saying it flippantly. That's not just something that we talk about and we never explain. In case we don't explain it, let me explain it now at the very beginning of the message. Every single time we talk about good news, it's that Jesus paid the debt that I can't pay. It's that Jesus lived the life that I can't live. It's that Jesus has the righteousness and the holiness and, and the whole kabang, if that's a word. Everything I owe to God, everything that I need to be before God, everything that I need in order to live unto Him that I couldn't do, Jesus supplies by His life, His death, and His resurrection. That's the good news of the Bible. That's it right there. Everything in this book boils down to that. So when we talk about good news, the good news starts with bad news. In fact, you don't really know what you're talking about. People who talk about a gospel but they don't know the bad news first don't get the good news. The bad news is that we deserve hell if left to ourselves because we owe that debt and we are terrible people apart from the righteousness of God. And then the good news is that God has a gift and it's free. And he says, the good news is that Jesus paid your debt. The, the good news is that when, when you're found in Jesus, I look at you as if you had lived an obedient life. I look at you as if you are righteous. I look at you as if you are holy. And I look at you as if your debt is absolved. And by faith, by believing in Jesus, that is yours for free. And that's the gospel. Good morning. <laughs> Top that, Siri. Um, we're in week three of the high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying to the Father and He says, I have given eternal life to those whom you gave me, the people you chose. I gave them your words. I've kept them. I've guarded them. I've prayed for them. Here they are. Mission accomplished. The gospel is a father-chosen, son-accomplished, spirit-led gospel. The triune God has left nothing to chance when it comes to your salvation. Imagine someone who has been reading John 17 with us. And we get out of this. And I think I was even telling Seth this week. like This is, this is like one of the deepest sermon series I've ever done. John 17 is deep. And imagine someone who's been listening to this for the last two weeks. And they're like. I mean that makes my head hurt. Let's get to the practical stuff. Imagine if someone has been sitting through, reading their Bible, reading John 17, listening to me, and they go, what's that got to do with my life? I think that's a pretty important question. I think we should all ask that question. What do you say to that person? If that person gets done reading what we've read and they go, why does it even matter? Let's get down to the practical stuff. We're supposed to live for him, right? Leave that to the Bible scholars and give me the stuff that talks about how I live for God. What do you say to that person? 
If that's you, what's the answer? Because there are a lot of people that think like that. There are a lot of people who think that what we're reading right now isn't practical. Here's what you tell them. Knowing that the Father chose you before the foundation of the world, knowing that the Father and the Son crafted a personal plan to save you, knowing that every person of the triune God has worked together to devising a plan and accomplishing a plan for your salvation, that should make us the humblest people on earth. That should eradicate our pride. It should eliminate the idea that we are doing any favors for God. God's sovereignty in John 17 should increase our love of God, should increase our worship of God. It should make us think less of ourselves, and it should make us think a whole lot more of God. And I can think of nothing more practical than that. Humility in the Christian life begins with having a big view of God and a low view of ourselves. To read John 17 is to worship God. We're going to crack this open this morning. We're going to worship Him. We worshiped Him when we, we praised God in music. We're going to worship Him in His Word right now. The more we learn about God, the more we learn about our sin. The more we learn about God, the more we learn about what He did to save us. The more we learn about God, we think more about His glory and less of ours. The more we learn about God, the more we think of Him and less of ourselves. This morning... If you'll turn your Bibles to John chapter 17, verses 14 through 19. John chapter 17, verses 14 through 19. If you'll stand for the reading of God's Word. And this is Jesus praying to the Father. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Let's pray. Father, we need you now to teach us the things of God. Father, we need you now not just to understand these things, but to love them and to savor them and to relish them and to hide them in our hearts. Father, show us the supremacy of your word this morning so that we can better worship you and appreciate you and glorify your name. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen. Well, here's what I'm trying to say this morning. Jesus wants his people in the world with the word. Jesus wants his people in the world with the word. That's it. I don't know what the preacher is trying to say. He got up there and well, yeah, that's what I'm getting ready to say. Right there. You have, no, you have no, no reason, no excuse whatsoever to not follow me because I give you the dang point at the beginning of the sermon. Jesus wants his people in the world with the word. Imagine an all-American family, if you will. Not your family. 
Some of y'all are like, no, trust me, I, I ain't. I don't, we're not the all-American family. Imagine the perfect family, if you can, okay? Mother and father, nice house, nice jobs. They want the best for their kids. They want what all of us want. They want their kids to have opportunities to succeed in this life and to be happy. So they make sure their kids go to the biggest church in town or a nice church, grow up around Christian kids. They move to the other side of town, all away from all the riffraff in a nice neighborhood. They pay a little extra so they can go to a nice school and not the bad one. They don't let their kids watch TV. They protect their kids from the evil in the world, but they forget to do one thing. They forget to disciple their children. They never hear mommy and daddy crack open the Bible and teach them what's in it. They never hear mom and dad doing a Bible lesson. They only, all the only world they know is that mom and dad send them to professionals who are t- designed to teach them Bible lessons. So mom and dad have protected them from the world. But they forgot to do one thing. Train them up in the Holy Scriptures. They don't do that. These parents spend their whole lives making sure their kids stay out of the world. Meanwhile, they don't give their children the word. These people are doing the exact opposite of what Jesus commanded us to do. These people, this family, is doing the exact opposite of what Jesus prayed his people would do. Which is what? Be in the world with the word. Read verses 14 and 15 with me. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not, don't miss verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So Jesus doesn't ask the Father to take them out of the world. In fact, he wants them in the world. God wants us in the world, but he hasn't left us to ourselves. What does he give us? His word. Far too many families, let me see if I, I think I might have put it up there real quick. Maybe, maybe not, yes. Far too many families take themselves out of the world without the word. Jesus wants his people in the world with the word. Your primary defense against the world for your child is not limiting their TV, it's the word. The way you protect your soul from the world is not making sure that you get away from all the riffraff, it's the world. The Word is how God keeps His people unstained from the world. Now, let's be careful here. I'm not saying you don't need to take care of your child's education and where you live and not be in a crime-ridden community and and be giving your children and your family the best that you can. That's not what I'm saying. We need encouragement. We need sharpening. We need positive influences. That's why the church exists. But the church is not a bunch of people who seal themselves off from the world. The the word is what seals us completely. Jesus wants us in the world with the word. I can think of nothing more tragic than a family that labors so earnestly to protect their children from the world while letting their child's hearts fester in pride and in arrogance and never tempering that and never ministering to their child's soul with the word. Verses 16 and 17. 
They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So, Jesus right now, have, y'all, have you ever heard that, that phrase, be in the world and not of the world? Well, here it is. This is where he's talking about it right here. We are the church, we the, 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 the people of God, we who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we the followers of Jesus, we are in the world and not of the world. We are set apart. It's why the Bible calls us saints. It's not because we're like St. Augustine or St. Francis of Assisi. It means we're saints because we've been made holy by the blood of Jesus and by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we can be in the world, but we're not of it because our Father is not Satan. Our Father is, G- is, is the Father, is, is God. I'm sure by now you've heard about the mosque shootings in Christchurch, New Zealand. I think now the death toll is 50, I think. That is not how God's people do battle with the world. We don't shield ourselves with weapons. We don't attack the world with guns. Now, Romans 13 says we leave the sword to the civil authorities which have been placed by God. We wield what? The word. We evangelize the lost with what? The word. We cling to his testimonies. We cling to the promises of God. We, the church, do not do battle against flesh and blood. We do battle against the forces of darkness and evil and Satan and sin with the one weapon God has given us, which is his word. God says there is only one way to subdue and sanctify the human heart. The scriptures. There's two things that happened when I was, when I was a kid. I can't explain how they happened. They just did. Um, and I'm glad they did. But there's, it's just, I don't know what happened. I, this might come as a surprise to some people, but I didn't like pizza until I was in college. I hated pizza. I know. I know. No, wait for it. Wait for this. I didn't like cheeseburgers till I was in high school. No cheeseburgers, no pizza. A lot of you don't think I lived until then. I didn't. Didn't like them. I, I hated pizza. Pizza was the worst to me. In fact, sometimes I, if you put a lot of marinara on a pizza, I'll still hate it. The Alfredo pizza at CeCe's changed my life. Because I was like, wait a minute, there can, be, there can be good pizza. No, I don't like CeCe's anymore. But What happened? Why did I start liking it? I don't know. I, one day I started eating pizza again, and I just liked it, and I've liked it ever since then. And I'll, and I'll tell you this, I think your pie is better than the one that Franklin likes. What is that? There's two pizza places in town. And I've eaten at them both, and I love them both. I love pizza, whereas I hated it, not 15 years ago. What happened? I don't know. It wasn't as if I I reasoned myself into going, that's good and I should like it. Oh, wait, it's good now. No. Something changed. And that's essentially what happens when God gets a hold of our hearts by the Holy Spirit with the Word. Now, Now, to believe in the gospel is rational. It takes our minds. It takes a decision. But it's so much more than that. The Word has to change our taste. The Word has to change our hearts. It has to change the thing we want. 
I don't want the world anymore. I can be in the world because I don't want it. It's not, now it doesn't mean we aren't growing in holiness. It doesn't mean we don't face temptations every single day. But God's word is what sanctifies me. It's what sets me apart. What Jesus is saying in verse 17 is this. If the Father chose you to be saved, if the Son saved you from hell, if the Spirit resurrected you from the dead, why in the world are you afraid of the world? The world can't do anything to us if we have His Word. This is our shield. The Bible is our defense. Christians are fearless, loving people who stand boldly on the promises of God, proclaiming God's Word to the world. I'll say this, and I hope I'm not overstepping here. I think monks, as a whole, as a whole, I think monks, Amish, and Mennonites have gotten this wrong. I don't think God's will is for a community of God to encapsulate itself so that the world can't get to it. I think they're missing John 17. Jesus wants us in the midst of a crooked and evil generation. And because of all that the triune God has done, because of the, what the Father did to to bring me out because of what the Son did to pay my debt, because of what the Spirit of God is doing in me now to resurrect me every single day, putting the old obby to the cross, crucifying my sin, mortifying my sin, growing me in holiness, because of what the triune God is doing every single day in my life, I can go boldly to a job that I don't like. I can live in a family that doesn't like me. I can go every single day and live amongst the people who are hostile to the things of God. I can be in the world because I'm not of it. Take your best shot. When we face down the world and the world hates us, we need to be reminded of the Trinitarian gospel. Every single day, I tend to forget the gospel. And every single day, I have to go back to the word to remind me, oh wait, that's what God did for me. Wait, that's who I am. Oh wait, you mean the world is wrong and I'm believing the world and I've been, I haven't been believing God. Wait a minute, that's what God done. Every single day, I have to come back to the truth because every single day, I'm being sanctified in God's word. And far too many of us believed in God when we were 15 and then we left Him on our nightstand and we've been completely living unsanctified in carnal desires thinking that we were pleasing God when in fact we'd left the Word behind. If you're not in the Word, you are not, being, you are not a believer. Can I say that? Let me restate that. If you're not in the Word, you're probably not a believer. Is your life a wreck? Is your money tight? Is your family at war? Is your life, is your, is, does your job really stink? Then let the hatred from the world drive you to the Word. I think a lot of us today live in a cultural siege mentality. Especially some of the older generation. We feel like as Christians we're being bombarded on all sides by new evils and new temptations every single day by the world. Do you feel like that? I remember when the Bible was in the schools. Now it's not. I remember when you could watch TV without seeing two guys hold hands. I remember when you could walk outside and not worry about your kids. I remember when people were good and they weren't monsters. 
I remember when I walked up, was it, was it, walked to school uphill both ways or whatever they say. A couple things. One, people are not good. And they ain't as good as you remember they were. But the world and all that stuff, all that things, all the things we're experiencing now, it is real. Our world is an evil world. Things sometimes seem better than they've ever been. But that should drive us here. What we experience, you know, I watched a commercial the other day with LGBTQ plus whatever they're adding it to it now. And I go, man, things are different. I mean, I'm 33 and I don't even think things are like they were back when I was 25. But it does me no good to turn off the TV and enclose myself from the world and go, you know what, I'm just not going to read a paper again. I ain't going to read the news anymore. Let me flip on Fox News and they'll tell me what I need to know. No, you go to the Word. The Word is what sanctifies us, not conservative news sources. Read your conservative news sources. Nothing wrong with that. But don't replace it with the Word. Don't, Don't replace the Word with those things. Even well-dressed, well-mannered churchgoers can be worldly heathens devoid of the Word of God. Jesus did not die for His church so that we could simply be good role models. He died for that. But He did not simply die for His church so that we could have a positive influence. He died for His church so that we could be washed by the Word and we could take the Word to the world. Psalm 119, 29 through 32. I want to read these because this encapsulates how I look at the Word every single day. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. I'm running to the Word every single day. I love the enlarge my heart. It's, it's like David's way of saying, I'm going to go to the Word and I still need you to teach me the thing. And that's the Holy Spirit's job. i got to run to the Word. i got to cling. Look at that verb. I love it. i got to cling. i got to put your rules in front of me and i got to cling to them because the world's not going to give me anything. Christianity is not about running from the world. Christianity is about running to the Word. God is calling us to stare down the world not with weapons, not with anger, not with clenched fists, not with folded arms. He is telling us to be armed to the teeth with the Scriptures. And some of us got no fangs. I think a lot of Christians, they think that they're clinging to Scripture with that little thing they get every day. What's it like? A, a yearly calendar where you just scratch off the next one and go... Hmm. Proverbs 31, okay, good. Uh, uh, yes, be, uh, be, be humble, do nothing from vain conceit. Okay, good, I, I think I've got enough of the word today. No. I think a lot of people get by on memes online. Like, there's another meme that came from uh, Oswald Chambers. Okay, that's good, might as well suffice for the word. Let's go, to, let's go to work now. No. Don't get your word, don't get the scriptures from memes, and don't, don't I mean, do, the, do the yearly thing. I mean, I do those too, but then I go to the word. If your Bible is closed, you're not in the Word. I think Jedediah Parker said the best. If you've got, you got a glass of water next to your life, knife stand and you never drank it, what good is it? I said, I'm going to steal that. It was good. 
verse 18 and 19. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus is like, if I didn't hide from the world, you don't get to hide from it. If I went into the world, you're going too. Jesus calls us to go into the very same world he came into. And guess what? Here's the good news. He overcame the world. Jesus calls us to go into the world, but we go not, not really even marching for victory. We march from victory. If Jesus died on the cross for a world that hated him, then I can go and have a boss that doesn't like me, and I can serve him with joy. If Jesus died on the cross for a world that hated him, I can go and hang out with my in-laws, who I'm pretty sure are really bad people, and I, re- and I know they don't like me, but I'm going to grin, and I'm going to smile, and I'm going to say, hey, you need another glass? It is the Father's will that his people remain in a hostile, unbelieving world because he willed it for his very own Son. Here's something to think about. If the world hates Christians and Jesus wants Christians in the world and going to the world, it is logical to conclude that God's will is often for you to be in places that you don't want to be in, places that make you feel very uncomfortable, and with people you don't like. And that can be God's will. It could be God's will for you to be at a job that you don't like. It could be God's will for you to be in a family that you don't particularly like being with. And your comfort should not be that it's, I only have to be here another 20 minutes. The comfort should be, I've got the word and they need the word. I think it honors God every single day to go back into the world like soldiers and go, I'm going in. Here's something else to think about. If you are not in God's word, if you do not know the Bible, if you're not clinging to the scriptures in faith, if you don't really know the Bible very well at all, what exactly are you offering the world? John MacArthur, as he often does, said it very well. A church that is just like the world has nothing to offer the world. A Christian who does not read their Bible has more in common with the world than they do with the church. I think the best news is in verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus prayed that Satan would not claim my soul. Jesus prayed that I would remain a child of God. Do you know what that means? Regardless of what the world throws at me, regardless of how many people hate me, regardless of how many little knives they poke in me, every time I walk out into the world and they are disgusted by me, it's okay because the devil doesn't have me. Satan hasn't got me. Sin hasn't conquered me. The world doesn't own me. God does. And so I can go back into the world and march right back every single day. Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. A bad job cannot separate you from the love of God. Depression 
cannot separate you from the love of God. Losing a loved one cannot separate you from God's love. Persecution, sometimes, well, let me rephrase that. Persecution can actually take you deeper into God's love. I cannot be separated from Christ because it's Christ who had me first. It's the Father who chose me first. It's the Son who guarded me first. It's the Spirit who came after me and raised me first. I am in God's love because God's love has me. I wanted to end this morning with um, last year I was given my, my deceased mom's Bible. And uh, who passed when I was young. And I felt like I was getting to meet my mom for the first time in 25 years. Because she just littered her Bible with notes. And it was like, <laughs> it was a gold mine. And I was like, I got to meet mom again. And I have it next, next to my, my, uh, my computer at work. And I felt like I got to know my mom's personality. I felt like I got to know her character. Her humor. She put little notes. They're jokes. They weren't very good. But they're mom. And she wrote and put her heart all on that Bible. And I got to see mom again. But I also understand now there's a little bit of irony to that. Do you know what it is? God wrote a book and he hit his personality in it and he put his character in it and he put his will and his heart and his being in it and he wants us to read it so that we can know him and sometimes I get a little bit more excited about seeing my dead mom's notes than I do about convening with the living God in the word that he wrote and I think it was a little bit a little bit idolatrous for me to scrape by his word to find notes that a woman who is in heaven now wants me to read the word instead of her notes Now, I'm going to read the notes, too. makes me cry sometimes. But I'm pretty sure those red letters and every single word that's in that book is more infinitely, eternally valuable than the notes that a woman who is fallen, who is sinful, and who is with God in glory wrote on the side of it. And so today, I read my mom's Bible, but I make sure I read that Bible first. Because the words of God in the Bible, unlike my mom's, they're breathed by the living God. And I want those words first because those are the ones that give life. My mom's notes don't secure salvation. Every single word is profitable in this book for your soul and for your relationship with Jesus and they can save Here's the good news. Jesus overcome the world. There ain't nothing to be scared of the world about. Here is the judgment. Judgment is coming, and only those who believe in this book 
who come back to this book, who daily renew their faith in this book, will receive mercy. If there's anyone here this morning that does not read their Bible, who does not come back, who does not even think that conversing with the living God, with His God-breathed Word, if you have not made that a priority, you have not made Jesus a priority, and you need to come back to the living God in Christ. He died, He was buried, He was raised for your justification. and All you need do is return to Him in faith. Let's pray. Father, we are not who we ought be. We don't read our word. We don't read our Bibles and your word every day as we should. And Father, I am there as well. Father, give me the strength to pursue Jesus in faith and to long for his word. Give me a taste for the things of God. Father, you want me and you want Haynes Creek to be in the world with your word. Father, give me the strength to be in the world and give me the faith to believe your word. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.